0: I'm Dr. Laurie Santos, host of the Happiness Lab podcast. It's never too late or too early to learn how to feel happier. So my new season has well-being tips for you, whether you're aged three or 103, or six like me. Did I mention I have some amazing co-hosts for this season? And do not forget, cute and furry. How could I, Grover? I'll be joined by my fabulous friends from Sesame Street. That's us. Hello, everybody! Very <laughs> friends. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcast. Oh, I am so
1: excited! This is gonna be. So magical.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Raising Good Humans, I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman. and today's episode, I have the women of big little feelings. It's Kristen and Dina. Dina is a licensed child therapist and Kristen is a parent, coach, and mom and they are so much fun. They have like 3 million followers on Instagram. Helping parents just feel like it's relatable. Anyway, we're hitting all the topics from hitting and biting to timeouts to explaining when a loved one is sick or explaining death to a toddler. So many good nuggets. And of course, please don't hesitate to write a review and give a five star rating to Raising Good Humans podcast. And have you ordered? The five principles of parenting, your essential guide to raising good humans, by me, Dr. Lisa Pressman. If you pre order now, there is a chapter that you get on resilience with really specific skills to grow your resilience muscles. And you'll get a link for a live Zoom with a resilience masterclass. And I'm answering questions in real time about what you've read and just what you're thinking about. It's so Helpful when you order before the book comes out. So that's why I wanna provide lots of goodies and fun stuff in this community for pre orders, because I know that you trust me, I trust you, and we are in this together. So it's easy for us to do this. And then booksellers know everybody else needs it too. And most importantly, have you ordered my first book, The Five Principles of Parenting? It's not coming out till January but order it today because I want a lot of pre-orders so that booksellers know to put this book out in the world. And since we know each other so well, you are my people to do this. And as a thank you, I'm sending you an early chapter and we're going to do a few live Zooms. The first one is a masterclass on resilience. And I'm going to go through what I send you in this chapter, the five teachable skills associated with resilience And I want you to come in with questions in real time so we can really dive in. All you have to do is buy the book, save or screenshot or write down the receipt number and then enter it at draliza.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of stuff out there on social media that's so helpful for parents, but there's also a lot of stuff that's like inadvertently shaming In fact, the crazy part is, is a lot of the posts that are about not shaming are shaming. And I find it infuriating and bizarre.
2: Even one I saw, which we'll get we'll get into your real question, but it gets kind of out of control. I saw one the other day that was shaming sort of using showers as a way of self-care for mothers. And that, you know, we, yeah, it, it that's, that's where we're getting to, I think on social media, where it was like, it you can't call a shower self-care. And I was like, what about all those millions of moms out there who don't have a partner, who have a newborn baby, who get five minutes out of their day. And that is their self-care. Like that is okay. We just, you're right. That the way I think we came about it is that Dina is a child therapist. I've worked with kids um, and became a new mom. And I was fascinated and loved like I was an Instagram mommy, if you will. I mean, I <laughs> followed Kara. I follow Feeding Littles. I was like the person that, <laughs> you know, I, I loved it. I lived it and breathed it. And and I saw kind of what you're talking about, where they're really, especially when it came to behavior it a, didn't feel realistic at all. And when I watched it, I was like, well, that's great that, that she can do that with, you know, her made up hair right now and um, perfectly calm voice and whatever it may be. But it, to me, a mom who was kind of in the trenches of life, it didn't feel like somebody saw me or heard me or had a messy mom bun or had a messy house and could actually do Same thing. So when Dina and I started, it was a pretty big risk, if you will, because everyone sort of on Instagram had the perfect house and the perfect activity and the makeup and then the selfie ring light. And that's just kind of how it was done. And we made the conscious choice, like out loud, to say if this detracts followers, like that's fine. We don't need a huge following. We're not doing this to kind of win. But we want to A, be ourselves and B, we want to give great toddler tips that are backed in research. But one of our main pillars right next to that was make real moms feel less alone, equal playing like as important.
0: When you pull research out of context, it's also potentially hurtful to parents because it sounds really intense. And then you realize if you really thought about it or you really looked at the bigger picture data, it's not going to ruin your kid if you do X, Y, or Z and nothing is one moment in time. And I love the way that you guys do that. And I love how, you know, it's mixing reality and research. And if I may also say, and then we'll really get to the questions, there is something cool about being able to not be self-deprecating, but also like, I'm in a mom bun. Like there's that other side of it of like, I don't give a shit parenting. That's like, there's the perfect. And then there's the, I don't care people who care to, you know, it's making fun of that culture too, which is ridiculous. Like you can care and not wash your hair. (laughs) Like Not that your hair is dirty, but
2: I mean, it is. Well, today I took a shower, but that's a rare, that's really rare. But I think that's exactly right where I just, that's the kind of mom I was. And I didn't know if there was anybody else out there that was like that. And I, I assumed that there was, it's almost like this, you have to be completely perfect all the time or have this calm demeanor about you. You have never sworn in your whole life you, or you're a bad mom, you know? And that's kind of, that's kind of the gist I got from those other sort of things that I was following or reading. It was like, well, if I don't do this, perfectly 100% of the time, I'm a bad mom and I just shouldn't even try. And that's not the truth. That's kind of why that research exists. Like if you do it great 80% of the time, 70% of the time, 60% of the time, we're still killing it. You're still doing great. And that's what we really wanted to, to speak to is it's great. And there's so many moms who are, are, are interested in doing it hundred percent. And maybe they have like an interest in child psychology or something, but We really wanted this to be doable for every single mom who's out there, every single mom who's out there, no matter what they look like and dad, any walk of life that they could do this.
0: And now a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Everybody knows Braun is a trusted 100-year-old brand with quality products that are built to last. Braun ear thermometers are clinically proven as accurate as rectal, which is just nice for parents so they don't have to compromise comfort. baby's comfort because of accuracy. A fever in newborns can be more concerning, so the fever threshold is lower. So Braun has developed age precision technology to take the guesswork out. The Braun ThermoScan 7 Plus Ear Thermometer provides age-based fever guidance with a green, yellow, and red heading. This helps parents so they can understand the severity or understand that they can absolutely relax and just let it all play out. This is based on the child's age. They don't need to look up any information. It's actually quite helpful. This thermometer is also connected and will sync up to the Braun Family Care app, which is a place where you can track temperature readings, log symptoms and medications, and set reminders. It's a game changer for those middle-of-the-night fever episodes if you're totally out of it and can't remember the last time you gave your child medicine or what is going on. I am far away from this time in my life. But I would have loved it. Anyway, visit Amazon.com, search for Bronze Smart Thermometer, and use the code 10humans for $10, $10 off your purchase. 10humans for $10 off your purchase. The fall is already in swing, it's busy, but you're probably still looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam packed days, right? And I am always looking for wholesome, convenient meals that I don't have to cook. (laughs) Factor is America's number one ready to eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared, ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. You will save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I do not like to cook during the day because I work from home and I really want nutritious food to keep energized, but I, I don't want to cook for me, just one and all that prepping and cleaning. And now, there is a solution. So you can level up with gourmet plus options prepared by chefs. They're ready to eat in record time. You can just treat yourself to anything. And if you're too busy running around during the day to think about lunch, these lunch to go, which are my favorite, are effortless, wholesome meals. They have like grain bowls and toppers. They're ready to eat, and you do not even need a microwave. This is very helpful, particularly for busy mamas. Head to factormeals.com slash humans50 and use the code humans50 to get 50% off. That's code humans50 at factormeals.com slash humans50 to get 50% off. When we set an important family rule, like no hitting or hurting others, and the rule is broken, what role, if any, do consequences play in helping children learn to control their behavior? I tend to lean more toward connection-based discipline and I do not want to come off as punitive or shaming, but I also want my daughter to learn that certain behaviors are not acceptable even when she's feeling very upset. If setting consequences can be helpful, is there an age range when this tactic becomes useful? Many thanks.
1: Okay. Yes. Tina looks
0: excited.
1: I am. I am. So I think one key thing to start with is just in our society, sometimes we confuse discipline with punishment and they're not the same. So punishment is when we make someone feel badly about something they've done. We make them feel scared maybe to try and teach them a lesson discipline. On the other hand, the true meaning of it, if you look at the root is to teach we are kids' teachers at the end of the day, and especially toddlers who are going through this insane period of brain development where they don't quite have the language yet. They don't have the areas of their brain that help them manage their emotions or have self-awareness or impulse control. That's why you see them melting down when they're upset or falling on the floor, flailing around, or using their bodies to communicate through something like hitting, for example. Right. So, our job in these situations is to, to the best of our ability, because it's hard when you're in the moment, when it's loud and it's chaotic, but to be their life teacher, if you will. So, that is the true meaning of discipline. And we have kind of like a format that we like to give you to make this all easier. So we can kind of walk you through that. I don't know, Kristen, do you want to walk us through a little bit?
2: Yeah. We could, we could even use, um, hitting as the example. Um,
0: Fantastic.
2: Yeah. So, so hitting like Dina just said, impulse control, right? It's not there yet. So what our goal is, is a very young toddler is two. they have no impulse control. They feel angry. They hit, And eventually we would love for them to, instead of hitting, they say, I'm feeling so mad. I'm going to go do X. I'm going to go something better, a coping mechanism. The way that we we get there is we would love to get on eye level if we can. And if you have a baby on your hip, don't do it. It's okay if you can't.
0: So (laughs) great that you said that.
2: Right. I mean, with all of this too, people think that with all of these things, you really need to hone in. You got to spend 30 minutes Nope, adjust this to what works for you. Mm. Ideally, eye level. Can't do it. It's okay. The most important thing is the first step is always okaying and identifying their feeling. So you're feeling so angry right now. It's okay to feel angry. That way, later when they're four years old, five years old, they're learning this is what anger is. Okay. So that's step one. It's okay to feel angry. And that is really powerful because. Just like adults, we all need some validation, right? So instead of saying, you're being ridiculous. Why would you even do this? Like nothing is even happening. What's wrong with you? To simply state you're feeling angry. That's okay. You had a hard day. I get it. I'm here for you. And then the next part, which is crucial, is that boundary. It's not okay to hurt someone. That is, it's okay to feel the way you feel. It is not okay to hurt someone making that very clear, swooping in and holding that boundary. So it may be gently kind of hugging them or holding their hands down. Some kids really don't like that. So in that case, perhaps you're moving them away. You're moving your own body away. You're moving baby sister away. I'm going to move baby sister now to keep her safe. And the really crucial part here is in that moment when they're hitting, think of an adult too, when you're incredibly mad, there's no learning happening there, Your brain is totally just off and shifted in that moment. We're really trying to connect, contain, and keep everyone safe. That's it. And the key here then is the coping skills teaching later on when they're calm, when the brain is ready to learn something. And so earlier you were feeling so mad that your sister took your toy. Oh, I get that. But it's and it's not okay to hurt someone. What can we do next time? And you teach those coping skills.
1: Exactly. When the brain is super dysregulated in the, the moment of a meltdown or a tantrum, They can't take anything in. There is literally no reasoning, no learning that's possible in that moment. So until they've calmed down, then they can really take it in and you can practice with them. Like you can practice taking a deep breath, right? You can practice assertive skills. So saying I'm really mad. I didn't like that. You did that. That's not okay with me. That's also a coping skill. But yeah, so that's if you are consistent with this time after time, you're building up those skills. And I think a really good
2: point, too, is the beginning of the question kind of alluded to timeouts. And in this specific case, what we do often see, let's use timeouts as the example and hitting as the example. So that's not okay. You don't hurt your baby sister. You know, go get in a timeout. So the child is angry, dysregulated and alone and isolated. And so we're not only sort of banishing them and punishing them for their feelings and feeling angry and being separated, but it's also usually quite ineffective. The child probably will stop right in that moment because they're really scared, fear, you know, fight or fight. But then they come right back out of the timeout and they're probably just going to go hit their baby sister. And that's because there was no connection. And then there was no teaching. How do you do it better anyways? There's not a two, three or four year old is not going to go. Alone into a corner or a room and actively think, huh, what should I do better? What how can I do this next time? It's our jobs as parents to do that with them and teach that with them.
1: Exactly. Timeouts can accidentally signal that big feelings are actually not okay in our family. It's not okay to have them. And then it becomes a missed opportunity on how how to teach them to handle those feelings, how to understand what the feeling is, what the need is and then how to handle it safely. So they need us to teach them that.
0: I had a really interesting conversation with Joshua Sparrow, who runs the Brazelton Institute. And we were talking about how timeouts need to be rebranded as mindful moments. And we just were like, somebody has just come up with a cooler name and also make it appealing because for some parents, they're like, they need to... Show that there's they mean business, and they don't want to be permissive. And there's this confusion about you actually set it, Kristen, when you you know when you're talking about connecting first and validating that feeling and then holding the boundary, you're once you've set a boundary, permissiveness is off the table. But if that feels uncomfortable for someone and they want to have some tangible um I mean business, then rebrand it for yourself so that there isn't like a, you're off with a dunce cap in a corner and create some kind of, you know, especially if you have other kids and you can't actually co-regulate in that moment, a, a little like find the things that feel safe and cozy and comfortable and you could sit right there. But it, it was such a cool, I mean, he was just like, it's been marketed so poorly and done so you know, in a cruel kind of way that now we have this association that any time spent taking a deep breath or having to be with your other, the other kid or the victim of the the whatever, that there are beautiful ways to help kids self-regulate if they can't have you in that moment. But it really is a timeout in the way that it was meant to be in the first place. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm sure back in the day. We
2: are like in the the sort of not the thick of it, but this literally came across our, our desk, if you will, our phones this morning, <laughs> um, which is exactly what you're touching upon. And I'm sure like what you know, which is research technically shows what they call time outs are not damaging. They are effective. But research also shows that 85% of parents are not doing quote unquote time outs in the way that that research is stating. And that's why we are adamant about this. And sometimes we get a little pushback from like, Purist scientist, if you will. That's exactly I, I it's so funny that you say rebranding. That's exactly what we sort of are very adamant about, is simply rebranding the term timeout. And totally. using all of those tactics within that. Because when we see posts on Instagram and these other, you know, sort of pushback that are saying, don't listen to people that say timeouts are bad, timeouts are great, you should do them. Well, 85% of parents are doing them in a way that is damaging that, you know, there's a lot of yelling, there's um, sending them alone, completely alone. It's punishment, it's shame. And the rebrand is exactly what we feel incredibly passionate about, where let's take what science says, let's take what research says and rebrand it and call it a cozy corner, call exactly. it thing. And so you take those things, you co-regulate next to them, you keep it one to two minutes, you do all the things that Richard said to do. And let's get rid of the term timeout because that's not what they're doing. They're not doing what research is saying a timeout is doing. They're doing 85% are doing completely opposite.
0: Right. And then it puts people in this like argument about like, I'm a timeout person or I'm an anti-timeout person. Like I'm a cry it out person or I'm not. And it's like, guys, it's just, how are you defining it? Because it has been done in so many different ways and so many different ways that could be really, you know, not great. There is a way to just rebrand. Unfortunately, no one's gone for any of the particular names of the, the rebranded version. So I say, yeah, let's find that new name. I think that would be great. And it's also not necessary for some people, but it's just that it's like, if you need, if you're like, I need something, even for me, like I will scream at my kids. So I need this, I need to carve this safe space out go for it. There's no shame, but it's just reframing it. So I'm glad that you guys said that. And it is so true. Like just because research says something works or is effective for, it's really effective in the time being for, you know, in that moment, but not really long-term teaching. That doesn't mean that it's being translated in a way that is remotely close to what was being talked about. So, and, and I'm sure every single person has a different imagined version of what that timeout is. Okay. Next question. Oh, there was also something else you said. I just wanted to highlight. It'd be fun if you could highlight words while someone's talking, but people are listening, so they can't. So I don't know how to do that. Like make a word bold, but through what you're hearing. How do you do that without yelling? I don't know but you said later because teaching happens when your brain is open for learning then you could talk about this was not acceptable and blah 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 it's that and and you started to say but and you stopped and said and that was so beautiful because most of us even when we're with adults are like blah 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 but blah 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 and you just like undermined the point that I think was meant to be repair. Anyway, I say it all the time, but I try to be aware of it. It's a
2: good good learning tool too, that we're not perfect. You think in the moment that I'm out there and that I'm a hundred percent, whether it's calm or I'm running through these scripts perfectly. Nope. Like even on this podcast, I just said it's not okay to hit, but and exactly where, you know, it's kind of like, and I'm sorry, where it's like, I'm sorry, but
0: you really, <laughs> but you were kind of a jerk.
2: Better, right? <laughs> right? So, it's, it's an and thing where it's like, it's not okay to hit. And here's what you can do better next time. You know, it's, a, it's such a shift and I don't get it right. A hundred percent of the time either.
0: Me neither. Yeah. I feel like if I get it, if, and when I do, I notice it and I'm like, you know what? You paid attention today when you right. were talking. That's, yeah.
1: Progress.
0: Progress. And now a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Okay, so here's something I don't like talking about, trust and wills, because it's just a topic that is unpleasant and who wants to think about it? Except that when you have kids, you have to. And it's really kind of a pain in the butt. And there is a website that is actually making this all straightforward and simple and gives you peace of mind That your assets and wishes are secure. If you want to maintain control of your assets and ease the burden on your loved ones, if heaven forbid something happens, an estate plan can ensure that your family stays prepared and protected. And trust and will has a simplified process. They create and manage your will or trust totally online. This is like everything from finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary. And each trust and will is crafted to be state-specific and customized to your specific needs. So you can help loved ones avoid lengthy and expensive legal proceedings or having the state decide what happens to your assets. Is it pleasant to think about? No, it is not. But it's super important to be prepared. It just is peace of mind. So gain peace of mind today with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping on your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash humans. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash humans. Okay, so school is such a personal thing, and what is right for your child is something you know best. We want to set our kids up for success as they embark on school. You learn what their learning styles are and where they best thrive. So making sure they're receiving the best education is obviously critical. And I was really amazed by K-12 powered schools. K-12 can help your child start reaching their full potential in life now with online education options tailored to their unique needs and interests and schedules There's even still time to get started this year. K-12-powered schools are tuition-free, online-accredited public schools for kindergarten through 12th grade. So this is not your typical homeschooling. Parents are not responsible for teaching children. K-12-powered schools have state-certified teachers trained in online education specifically with an online portal that gives parents daily insights into curriculum and performance. And K-12's hands-on innovative technology makes learning interactive and engaging. Help your child gain the skills they need to thrive in the future with K-12. If this is right for you, there is still time to get started for the fall. Go to k12.com slash humans today to learn more and find a tuition-free K-12-powered school near you. That's the letter K, the number 12.com slash humans, k12.com slash humans. Next, please help my 15-month-old son. (sighs) You will not stop biting me and hitting me in the face. I feel like I've tried everything to get him to stop and nothing works. What can I do? I'm desperate for help.
1: Okay, first to say that this is super common, especially at this age where they don't have words, they're exploring new behaviors. So pretty much every child goes through this exact phase right now. The most important thing I would say is to stay calm and cool and confident, like as much as humanly possible, because with this age in particular, where they don't have words, they're gauging our tones and our facial expressions and our reactions. So if we have a big no, 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 or ouch kind of reaction their little mind goes, Oh, that was so funny. Look at what it made mom or dad do. Like, that's fun. I'm going to hit them in the face again to get that reaction. And it accidentally reinforces the hitting the biting behavior. So if we can stay calm and confident and just say, you know, I see you want to play with me. That's great. We don't hit, we don't bite. I'm going to help, you know, move your, move your body to stay safe here. That's what we do over and over to teach them. And if you're constantly kind of holding that boundary by both saying it and calmly, I'm going to move your body, they get it over time with consistency. Yeah, we want to be boring. I think that's kind of that's <laughs> kind of <laughs>
2: where we miss the mark with the hitting thing or the biting thing because we're like, well, this is really bad. So really bad things, we should know, you know, they should know it's bad. So we should have a big reaction or even just, oh, well. I'll teach them empathy by being like, Oof, ouchie, ouchie. Oh, that makes me sad. You want to make me sad? And now, like Dina said, it's a game. So as boring as humanly possible, because at 15 months and what this question sounds like is it's silly, it's fun.
0: I was wondering if you have any recommendations on books to teach my toddler about her big feelings so that I can help her name the emotions. Thank you so much.
1: I would say we have you know, a favorite one, if you will, which is great. The Color Monster. It's a cute, very age-appropriate pop-up book that um, keeps them entertained along the way. And it's it's a story of a little monster who has confused feelings and all the feelings are different colors. And so by learning about what each feeling is like as he experiences it, by the end of the story, all his mixed up feelings are kind of separated into cute little jars. So it really teaches them how to name and handle their emotions. And I know the toddlers that I work with in my therapy practice, they love this book.
2: My kids too, they love that one. It's super interactive, so. Uh,
0: I will put it in the show notes, awesome. And
2: we have more in our Amazon store too. We got like a whole... A whole plethora in our Amazon store of just like books on feelings. There's so much out there. It's great.
0: Holds, please. You have an Amazon store. I didn't know that. Tell us. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah.
2: It's just in our link in bio. It's just, it's just all it is. It's, it's, it's Amazon and it, you can put into like a category, your favorite books or your favorite. Great. You know, things. Yeah. It's so easy that then. You know, everything is in one place. Or like doctor books, dentist books. We're going to the dentist. We're moving, you know, they're all in there.
0: Well, this is coming out on Christmas. I should say Merry Christmas to those who are celebrating Christmas because it's Christmas in a week. So that Amazon cart, well, there's stuff that comes up all year round. (laughs)
1: Sure does. For the new year.
0: (laughs) For the new, right. Happy, well, it's a great way to start the new year thinking that all the present holidays are finished and now you're getting another one because that's what <laughs> we need. So one thing that that also inspires is that when, we, when kids aren't in the mood for talking about feelings or naming feelings, thinking about what color they're feeling, what a cool way to communicate if you're, if you're just struggling with, you know, if you have one of those kids who's like, I don't want to talk about it.
1: Can I just get nerdy and touch on that with you?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I love that because a lot of times we're so quick to want to talk about feelings, but when someone's really, really upset, sometimes they just need a moment, like a quiet moment where you're present. You can keep eye contact and stay close, but you don't have to be talking necessarily the whole time. That can help them calm down. And part of that is because we think in words, right? It's easier to put your thoughts into words, but feelings are something that live in your body. So sometimes, you know, having a color to represent it is the right move or just kind of letting them settle a little bit helps, but yeah, feelings live in the body. They're not necessarily words.
0: You know, let's, let's keep nerding on that for a second because nerding, nerding out for a second on that, because like I was raised as a more neck up person so it's really important to me, like, and my kids can talk for, we're three girls living together. So we're like, blah, 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 about feelings all the time. But sometimes it's so easy to, for some people, for some people, it's so hard to talk about feelings. It's a lifelong struggle for other people. I could talk about feelings all the time. I don't feel feelings very well. Um, And so learning at a young age to think about feelings in ways like colors or what part of your body you feel it in, that's an awareness that I certainly never had that I would love for my children to grow up having. Because for those of us who are sort of living up in our heads, that's a big deal. And it's so cool to be able to start those, I don't want to say conversations because that sort of defeats the purpose, but to think that way to engage that way with kids, with toddlers.
1: Yeah, and I think
2: connecting it to your body can be so powerful too, especially with the young kids, but adults too, by the way, because I it's almost like you can sense it coming before the explosion. So when you're pointing out, we have to actively teach, okay, this is what angry is. And so when you're teaching what are the sensations in your body, is it fuzzy, are you this, are you that? Then you're able, I'm not even able to do this as an adult. But with practice, you're able to kind of see them come on before it's too late. And like, I notice I'm starting to get angry. I'm starting to get sad. So what should I do now? What are the things? Okay. What are my coping skills? And when your brain hasn't flipped yet, <laughs> it's much easier than to be like, okay, I'm starting to get really mad now. So I need to go for a walk. I need to go do stomps. I need to go do yes. anger, shock, whatever it may be, noticing the sensations in your body before you actually even feel the feeling mentally.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's where these whole like growing the coping skills thing. It's a long game and we're as consistent as we possibly can. And it's kind of like when you plant a seed, right? Like you're not going to see something sprout for a while, but you got to keep watering it,
0: keep paying attention. The seed planting is also such a great reminder that, you know, sometimes it feels like, you know, why isn't this working? My kid is still blank because it's a seed planting, not you're not getting the the whole thing right away. And if that expectation is set, then you get to enjoy childhood a little bit more. Cause I
1: I think too, like now we're talking about kind of like aggression and hitting and, and like you're saying, the little boy who was feeling aggressive, right? Like as adults, yes we should expect each other not to hit because our brains have developed. And I think this is where we need a little bit of a mental shift when we're thinking about young kids is their brain is not developed. That's why they can't necessarily control that aggression all the time. It's their communication method, but we can certainly work with them on it. All that to say that your kid is not a monster. If you see aggression, (laughs) it's, it's a kid developing.
0: Yeah. Such a, that's a great sentence to say in your head. Like my kid is not a monster. This is development. Because sometimes we also get reactive because we're like, oh my God, if he's doing this now, he's probably gonna, you know, get suspended and have oppositional defiant disorder in high school. <laughs> and it's like- 100%.
1: Yeah.
2: Or you think the another side too, where it's like, what's wrong with me? I failed as a parent. My right. Kid hitting. My kid is biting. What right, I've I'm done all the things
0: I'm supposed to do. What <laughs> is wrong with me?
2: Exactly. It's just and when you can shift to this is a healthy brain development, toddler behavior, and hey, now my job here is A to stay calm as much as I humanly can and then B, let's teach them how to do it better because they don't come hardwired to know what to do. So It's a journey. It takes time. That's why people go to school for 20 years. You know, you don't just learn something overnight. So it's just persistence and consistency over and over and over. And I think that sometimes too is why sometimes it might be tempting or people think punishment discipline works because like we were kind of talking about in that moment, let's say they're hitting, you do something fear-based, you yell or you scream and, and they stop hitting right then. They stop. You're like, oh, this is effective. This worked. Right. But we're going to continue to hit harder, longer, forever. And instead, like Dina's saying, planting the seed, we're just making steady, consistent progress.
0: My three-year-old son always loved bath time, but over the past couple of months, our bath time routine has turned into a nightmare. He absolutely refuses to take a bath and ends up kicking, screaming, and crying. I don't want to become forceful, but it is something that is part of going to bed and needed for healthy hygiene. Once the bath is over, he calms down and is back to being normal. Help.
2: Yeah, so, so bath time, um, even bedtime, hygiene things, tooth brushing, we can pretty, pretty quickly fall into power struggle mode um, with our toddlers. Toddlers, they love control and they love power. And so when it's something that we need them to do, we need them to do now. Getting out the door, putting their shoes on, it can turn into power struggle city mode all the time. We have a full section actually on bath climb in our course because it's you're not alone. I found that I'm sort of reparenting myself in the process. So suddenly, when I feel very angry, when I want to shut them down, I can say, I'm, you know what, girls, I'm feeling really angry right now. I need to go take a break right now. I need to go step aside. I'm feeling anger in my body and just kind of modeling that and like, honestly, just working through it at the same time as being a parent, being aware of, all right, whining, it's just triggering. Why? Because when I used to whine, my parents, blah, blah, blah. And so when you're aware of it, you can notice it and kind of step away or do what you need to do.
1: Exactly. So you're almost going to fulfill those three SCs for yourself. As you go through this parenting experience, you're going to have your big feelings and remember that it's okay to feel that way. You're going to comfort yourself. And part of this really means that you're going to forgive yourself when you mess up because you will mess up. We're all going to mess up as parents. And this is super crucial. And when you mess up, guess what? It's a great opportunity to show your kids how to repair. That's so important for relationships later in their life. And you'll come to them and you'll say, you know what? I was feeling stressed out earlier. I yelled. I'm so sorry if that made you feel scared. I'm going to work on my big feelings and I'm going to try to take care of my big feelings without yelling next time. I'm going to work on that. What an amazing experience and role model for them.
0: Beautiful, beautiful again. Okay. Do you have advice on how to talk about death with my three-year-old? My mother is suffering from cancer. I have showed some emotion in front of him and told him it's okay to be sad, but not sure how to approach the death part.
1: Yes. So this is very common. It's a very confusing topic for most of us. So whoever asks us, like, please don't feel alone in that. Death is hard to talk about. Death is hard to think about for a lot of us. So, how do we talk to our toddlers about it? Well, first, we want to be actually very clear with them. We want to use the word death. So, we'll say something like, you know, grandpa died. And we're going to keep it high level. You don't need to get into a ton of detail because that can overwhelm them. But what we'll say is, that means his body stopped working. And we want to make it very clear we won't see him again this part a lot of times we leave it out because it's uncomfortable it's it's kind of scary to you know say this to a kid but we actually do want to say it so that they're not confused later so let them know you won't see that person again let them know it's okay to feel sad that we won't see him again you know i feel sad you see me crying because i feel really sad that i won't see grandpa again and something beautiful that you can do is maybe make a piece of art around the feelings about, about that because it brings a, a little bit of a sense of closure or it's a way to kind of help them process through the feelings.
2: Yeah. And I think two things we maybe would like to avoid is, you know, whether I see this more, I think, with pets. But, you know, Goldie's sleeping. She's going to go sleep now for a long time. We want to avoid that because then, you know, our toddler will probably be afraid to go to sleep. Um, and you know, oftentimes, and this is more of a personal call, but sick, you know, cause our toddlers do get sick. So it's like, well, am I going to die when I get sick? So I like the the language that Dina used. It's very high level. He died. He passed away. We won't see him again. It's very much him. And it's nothing that our toddler is doing day to day, like sleeping or, um, getting sick. And, you know, then also just kind of avoiding, Not talking about it at all. I think a lot of times Mm. we think that it's either uncomfortable, um, it's not age appropriate, but toddlers can sense when something is wrong or when you're crying a lot, which is okay, or when just there's tension in the house and when we don't address why you know, a kid's brain can go to a million different places and they're very confused. And what that's going to look like is a lot of outbursts or kind of quote unquote bad behavior or unwanted behavior. And you're not sure why. And it's just, they can sense something is different, but they have no idea why they know grandpa's not here, but they have no idea why. So just addressing it in a really age appropriate way. And then just letting them know that however they feel is okay. Just kind of talking it through transparently.
1: And in this person's case, where the person, the the family member and loved one has not passed away yet, like Kristen was saying, we don't want to necessarily use the word sick if we don't have to, but we can say grandma has cancer,
0: that Mm -hmm. means she's,
1: she's going to die, and explain to them too, your body does not have cancer, my body does not have cancer, our bodies are healthy, grandma's body has cancer and try to differentiate it so that we don't leave them feeling scared in their own body. So again, another thing that anyone who's listening who maybe has a family member going through a sickness can emphasize is that the doctors are taking care of that person. That's why they're in the hospital. That's what's going on is the doctors are doing their job to make that person, you know, healthier.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, have I mentioned to subscribe, rate, and review?